Welcome back to Unleashed at Work and Home, the podcast dedicated to helping pet professionals learn what to do and what not to do so that they can continue making a difference in the world without burning themselves out. Today, my guest is a very dear friend of mine, Victoria Shade, and I asked her to come talk to me about creativity. And the reason is because Victoria is just awesome in diving into all sorts of different pursuits. She's written two nonfiction books about dog training. She's written two novels. One is published and one is coming out next spring that feature dogs, but are not about dog training. They're about the characters' lives themselves. She does. She's certified to teach Bollywood X fitness dance classes, and her home is just an explosion of visual delights. There's just all sorts of stuff to see all over the place. So when I think creativity, I think Victoria. So that's who I asked to come join me today. Thanks so much, Vic. What an introduction. Wow, thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you. So for people like you, who creativity seems to come naturally to, talking to people like me who sort of go like, mm, I want to be creative, but sometimes I get stuck. What do you think the differences are? I think it's a willingness just to let go and not be afraid and not worry about potential judgment. Oh, well, there's our problem right there. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was kind of clued in with you. I kind of knew the judgment thing is. That lives within you, but I think it lives within a lot of us. That feeling like, well, if I don't create something perfect right out of the gate, then why create anything at all? Mm -hmm. And that's so limiting because even your mistakes matter. Even your mistakes can bring you to the beauty that you're seeking. So if we can get out of our heads and just let it flow, I think uh, a lot more people would be willing to dive in. That is really good advice. So tell me a little bit about some of your mistakes that have helped you move forward. Oh gosh. Well, writing, writing is, is never a linear process. So mistakes are a part of it. You know, you, you start off with the book, you think like, this is, this is what I'm going to write about and you write it or begin it. And then you find out for some reason that maybe that's not what you're going to write about. So I have a very recent example as of last week. Uh, my third novel is in the works. I'm about 10,000 words into it. And I was talking with my editor and, you know, pitching her like, this is my idea. And I'm really excited. And I've got every little bit of it mapped out. And she's like, great, but I'm not sure that's the right direction. I'm not sure that's, that's where we need to go with this next book. So basically everything that I had written or most of it is going to be scrapped. Oh, wow. And I'm okay with that though. I am <laughs> totally fine with it because as I keep saying, I feel like I'm a bottomless well of words. I have a lot of words to give, so I'm just going to give more. But that's, that's what happens with writing is you, you have to be open to the fact that what you put down on paper the first time is probably not what you're going to end up with at the end of the process. And you have to be okay with that. Yeah, I think that, that that takes a little time to get used to. I mean, everyone encourages you to write the credit first draft and just like get it out and then come back later and revise. But uh, for many of us, me, for sure, uh, we edit as we go, and that slows everything down. It's I know it's a bad system, and I still catch myself doing it. But is it a bad system? I mean, that's, that's something I think people really need to think about, because I also edit as I go, and that's a huge no-no in the writing world. But mm -hmm. I'm like, why? What's wrong with that? Like, why slavishly write these words and then be like, oh, no, I wanted to change X, Y, Z? Just who made these rules? That's what I want to know. Who made these rules and why do we have to abide by them? Damn it. Awesome. There we go. There's creativity right there. Rules? <laughs> 
<laughs> They're out. <laughs> so tell me what role creativity plays for you, like in your daily life. Oh, gosh, I think it's so woven into what I do. And that's that's everything across the board. I think even during my my dog training days, when I was doing that full time, you have to be creative when you're you're presented with a problem and you have people standing there going, you know, looking at their watch like fix it, fix it. What's the answer? You have to be able to just come on, think of something, pull out like everything you've been learning all these years and present a solution. And sometimes they are creative because every household is different. Yeah. So I think kind of getting trial by fire in that sense, because I did private lessons. Yeah, I, I used to liken it to, to being a sleuth. You know, when you're doing that fact finding portion of meeting mm-hmm. a client, you really have to dig through all of the information they're giving you whether it's the truth or an embellished version of the truth or not the truth to figure out what you're dealing with. And I think that takes a lot of creativity. Yes. Yes. I agree with that. So the dancing is interesting to me, your Bali X dancing, because I do know that moving the body is a great way to get your brain uh, some downtime and some time to think differently. Have you found that to be true? I don't know of a direct parallel with the dancing. I love it. I absolutely just dancing is means so much to me, but moving in terms of just going for a walk. So mm-hmm. if I'm feeling a little bit stuck, obviously I have two, two uh, very eager walking companions that are like, let's go, let's get out there. So it's really helpful for me just to step away from whatever I'm working on, take a walk with the dogs. And a lot of times I will come up with things as I'm walking, just like, I came, a bumper sticker gave me a plot line for one of my books. So you just never know. (laughs) It was actually two bumper stickers that had nothing to do with each other. I'll tell you what they were. Surf and nurse. I'm like, okay, who, what? Surf, nurse. That's really weird. It sounds good together. Storyline. Now I'm so curious. (laughs) That's all you're going to get. Is that book number three or is that the stuff that the editor just cut and left on the floor? Um, No, because, you know, I I think I embellished my story a little bit. Not everything is lost from those 10,000 words. There are definitely storylines that I can salvage. And the surf nurse, very, very, very minor storyline probably can be saved. So stay tuned to find out how that figures in That will be in book number three. And book number two is written and, and at the publishing house. Yep. It's in edits right now. It's called Who Rescued Who? And it's coming out with Berkeley in March of 2020. How exciting. It's bad English though. I realized after the fact, like people are like, it's whom, it's whom. But we all in the dog world know who rescued who, right? Yes. Yeah. I think that's another one of those rules that's evolving. Um, Yeah. Now use rules. Yeah. As a singular. You could not use they as a singular when we were growing up, but now you can. You know, yeah. what they think as an individual. So it became the gender neutral. So same thing. Who rescued who? Who rescued whom? Whom has kind of faded out of our lexicon a little bit. <laughs> it, it sounds a little snotty too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's certainly not the muddy paws on the blue jeans kind of effect. That you <laughs> so. That's exactly right. So when I think about creativity, I think that it has so many benefits in terms of sort of flexibility and problem solving, just a different way of looking at situations. Mm -hmm. And it can provide 
I don't know, like a sense of purpose and accomplishment and pride when you when you've worked through something in a creative way. So what would you say would be some of the benefits that you personally have experienced from creativity? Well, I feel like it's the foundation of everything I do. So working through problems with creativity, it's, I mean, it's, I I can't even separate it really because it's just, it's like breathing for me. And I think. Which is why you're the one who was invited to talk about creativity today. (laughs) But I'm not being helpful because I'm like, well, it's just, it just is. So I need to give some concrete examples or help. And I've just lost my thread. So refresh me. See, I'm so creative that my brain can't hold on to a single thought for very long. (laughs) What are the benefits for you of being so creative? Because it's, I get to uh, use something that is joyful to me. Creation is life. So to be able to use that in my everyday world is kind of a dream. You know, they say, do what you love and you won't work a day in your life, which is bullshit, by the way. But But I guess it's related to that. I don't know if that answers your question. It kind of does. So so you've got a career where you've carved it out creatively in your own way. What about for people who have a job, say, working in an animal hospital, where Mm -hmm. they feel like their job has set parameters? How could they spark creativity there? Oh, wow. Well, I think social media is, you know, we all demonize social media, but there are so many wonderful ways to spark creativity through social media. So for example, if you're trying to, you know, get more attention on your, your hospital, like even if you're not tasked with that specific role, look at some of the other veterinary hospitals that are doing really hysterical and amazing stuff and learn from that. Like there's, there's one account that I follow that I love scarf the office cat first shout out of the interview <laughs> this flat face cat that has so much attitude and i'm like i want to know everything about this animal hospital now that has this mascot cat who greets everyone who's chill with dogs so the point is <laughs> way off track but you know looking outside of what your defined space is and maybe looking like i said looking towards social media as a way to figure out how you could maybe bring that into your own practice or your own role within the practice. I was looking at a website the other day and reading bios of the team. And one of the veterinary technicians was also listed as our staff photographer. She's always running around and taking photos. And I had noticed previously that the photos on this website were awesome. And Mm -hmm. I thought, and now I know. Because our right. staff photographer, who's always running around taking photos, they have to be hers. Like she's not credited with each of them under them, but but you definitely can see that this uh, this animal hospital had really nice imagery. But it was absolutely real life imagery too. It was the staff holding actual patients um, mm-hmm. doing doing real work. So that that struck me as an example of really pretty good creativity in a work environment. But if we aren't artsy, if we don't take pictures or paint or dance, how can we be creative in our lives? Oh, these are such stumpers, woman. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How can we be creative in our lives? Um, Maybe, maybe journaling. I think because you're doing that for yourself, it's such a wonderful outlet if you can let go of that inner voice. But 
in journaling, not specifically just words on a page, you can do pictures, you can, you know, do little mini vision boards, but anything that you're not going to feel judged, but it allows you to express yourself in a way that you don't normally do. And you know, there are so many benefits to taking everything that's up here in your brain and just spewing it and letting it go. Mm-hmm. So I think that's something that everyone can do regardless of whether or not they consider themselves creative. And they might discover like, oh, I'm more creative and awesome than I realized. Yes. And when you were saying that, I had two two ideas that seemed related to the, that topic of journaling. Uh, the first is you said if you can silence that voice in your head. And one very interesting exercise is to have a conversation with that voice on paper. You know, so the voice says, oh, you know, you're not good enough. And then you say, well, you know, what does good enough look like? And then the voice is, you know, it's perfection. And it's acting like this person or that person. And then you can kind of have this two-way conversation, which is very creative. And the second is I came across a book called Sketch Note, Sketch Notes, I believe. I'll find it and put a link in the in the show notes. But it it talks about using journaling in both a visual and word-based way. And so little doodles and the margins and things like that. And our brains are really wired for image. So if we can have mind maps or just a doodle of a mountain when you're looking at a struggle or a doodle of, you know, a lock when you're feeling stuck, um, those can help us shift too. So I think that that related to your concept of journaling could be a helpful thing for some people. Plus, as a side note, there are so many gorgeous journals out there. Oh my gosh. I mean, and you can get one for under $5 at your local craft store. And that's half the fun, you know, picking out the goods, get a really nice pen, get a big, beautiful journal, and don't be afraid to put that first word down. It's so daunting to look at those empty pages in that beautiful book, but Mm -hmm. just go. You can rip it out if you hate it, but don't rip it out. (laughs) I give you permission, but I don't. (laughs) permission granted and withdrawn yes if you acted very fast (laughs) (laughs) I I did see somewhere where where an artist said I I think the phrase was waste eight waste art supplies use them up and beautiful I've had sort of the idea of like oh it's the beautiful journal you know like oh I, I don't know. And she's like, no, that's not what they're for. They're they're for using them up, waste them, go crazy, use your fancy markers, go ahead. Yeah. And and I thought, eh, there you go. That's a good idea. So, yes. I think that we are often feeling less creative because in the times that we could be creative, we're so tired that we just sit down and go to numbing activities. Like let's watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> <I'd be> disappointed. <laughs> so, so do you find that do you have to carve out time to allow your brain to wander and um, spiral in different directions? Or is it because it's so natural for you that, that you don't send yourself down the, the rabbit hole of numbing behavior? Oh, sister, I numb. Let me tell you. <laughs> numb. Um, but it's it's such a part of what I do every day, whether it's working with a dog at the shelter or you know, working on the next novel, that I can't turn it off. But I think that's that's a point too, though. If you open your eyes to all the things that can inspire you, it mm-hmm. doesn't have to be this big, like I took a hike and looked across the vista and the thought came. It doesn't have to be that. That's great when it happens, but it can be 
an overheard conversation in a grocery store. One of my favorites is this old couple. The woman says to the man, honey, what's our cookie situation? I love that. I love those people. And can't you just make a story about these old people worrying about their cookie situation, which I often worry about. Um, That is a legitimate worry. (laughs) Cookie and cupcake situation. I only have one cupcake left. Critical mass right now. Um, But music, music too, you know, the lyrics can be so inspirational. Art. So it's not something you have to sit down and be like, no, I'm going to find a way to be inspired. Just open yourself up to all of the inspiration around you. And you won't have to feel like it's this endeavor to undertake. It'll just be something that is natural. Awesome. I, I do think changing your environment in some way or, or being aware of your environment can be very mm-hmm. uh, eye-opening for creativity and just finding different things. So if, um, if someone is feeling judgmental on the, on the subject of creativity, like I'm not good at this, what would you say would be helpful thoughts for them to, to move into it? Well, I love what you said about the conversation. So define good, you know, ask yourself rather than just accepting these thoughts that come into your head, question them. What is good? And who said, I think that's a really important question to ask yourself. Who told me that I'm not good at this? Because when we're kids, sky's the limit. You make it and it's awesome. Unless you had a really crappy teacher who said, you know, the sky is blue and the grass is green. But somewhere along the line, I think that that beautiful expressiveness breaks. Yeah. So it's important to ask yourself, why do I think this way? And is it true? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, that's a really important question. And what does it matter? Unless you're, you know, you're going to be paid for what you're creating. It doesn't matter if it's a cat that looks like a cow, just do it for the joy of doing it. I think leaning back into the joy of doing it is hard sometimes, especially for the people who did um, absorb some of those messages. Mm -hmm. I read a while back that if you ask kindergartners, are you good at drawing? Your odds are like 85, 90%. They're like, yes, me, I'm good at drawing. And if you ask second graders, are you good at drawing? It's way down. It's like 30%. It's, it's low because by then they've learned to compare and look at someone else's paper and Mm -hmm. see. And so they absorb the message on their own, but they also absorb it from praise other people are getting, you know, Mm -hmm. like, oh, you just did such a beautiful job on your drawing, Victoria. And then someone's peeking and like, oh, no one said Mm -hmm. that about mine. And that joy of just doing it just to do it starts to fizzle away. So we have to lean into it and create it for ourselves, I think, that Mm -hmm. like I'm going to do this anyway just for me and try not to judge it. And that honestly is a lesson that I'm trying to relearn in adulthood because I lost it very early on. Really good at judging the output of my creative stuff. And I loved art as a kid, but I never liked what I created. Mm -hmm. Um, So that idea of, you know, is it good and who's it for? What's the purpose? All of those questions, they're not really relevant. Was it fun? Did you enjoy it? Those are the relevant questions. And I think creating, like if you're feeling a little bit blocked, if you create for someone you love, and again, not a grand thing, just a sketch or a doodle to say, you know, I'm thinking of you and this is something I made for you. That might help get you over the hump too, because the response you're going to get when you give something with love 
that can help bolster, you know, when you're feeling questioning about your abilities. Like, for example, my husband can't draw. I would never say that in front of him. I don't want to squash his creativity. But (laughs) over the years, he's made me little like representations of us stick people, but oh my God, they're the most beautiful and adorable and wonderful things. And I love them. So I'm not judging that they're stick people. I'm, I love the fact that he captured this moment for us. So mm-hmm. long way to say, create for someone you love and you will be rewarded for it. And it might help bolster you. Yeah, that's very true. Having, cause, because you don't judge someone else's stick figures the way you judge your own stick figures. So you're like, look, right. here's a message. Right. I, I, had a I read a book recently that had stick figures all the way throughout, and my first thought was like, "Huh, I'm surprised you would do it that way." And my second thought was like, "I totally understand every point on every page with each of these stick figures. Like, let it go. That that's awesome. Who needs anything more than that?" Yeah, yeah. So, do you have a way of capturing your ideas as they come to you? Do you record your ideas? I do. I was going to bring it to show you a visual. Well. Depends on if people are watching or listening. But um, yes, I have a couple different notebooks over the years that I've just filled with everything we've talked about, ripped out pictures from magazines. I have a coaster from a pub in England that I took notes on. And then just all the notes I take as I work on whatever I'm working on. And drawings. I do sketch too. So yeah, definitely. I'm very analog, old school. Like I don't use stuff on my phone. I don't have, I have a paper calendar. Maledite. <laughs> Proudly. That's that's good. It's whatever works for you kind of thing. Do you ever have trouble going back through and finding what you're looking for? Oh, God, yes. Yeah. It's, <laughs> <laughs> there's no organization, but that's an exercise in creativity itself because I'll be like, oh, look at these three book ideas I wrote down three years ago that I forgot about. Okay. Mm-hmm. Not the worst thing. And there are ways, there are little, I, do, I have done like uh, here's a bread twist tie that's functioning as a, a bookmarker. You know, if I need to, I will, or I'll fold a page or something, but <laughs> there is no organization. So fancy, a bread twist tie, huh? <laughs> it worked. I, I'm sure it did. It, I mean, it doesn't, nothing has to be fancy to work. I was actually going into, I took that notebook with me because I was doing a presentation to a, a classroom of children about how to get ideas for stories. And, it, you know, this giant notebook, I'm like, oh, gosh, how am I going to find this? Because there were a lot of pages folded over. So hence the twist tie in front of a classroom full of very rowdy kids. And it worked. Awesome. Tell me a little bit more about that. How old were the kids and what did you guys talk about? Oh, gosh, we talked about ways of generating ideas through things that you already love. So this is not my concept, completely stolen. But if you have this desire that you want to write something, but you're not sure what about or you want to create whatever. Think about things that inspire you and make a list. So you can do like, you can do books that have inspired you. I did movies, like I did devices in movies, plot devices that I like, like The Fish Out of Water or, you know, set in an English countryside. Oh, guess what? The next book is both of those things. (laughs) Uh, I love, I love uh, people that don't look like they can dance that wind up being able to dance. One of my favorite like the big burly guy who can totally rock it out. So none of this stuff is related, but it's just a way to think about what inspires you and what you like, and then maybe spinning it off into a completely different idea. And did the kids write stories while you were there or just generate ideas or? They, they've started to write basic ideas. There was a lot of Pokemon. 
a lot of Pokemon, but it was adorable. I mean, we, we helped each other. We, we took a couple ideas and then we built stories based on these ideas that everyone voted on. I think there was a cupcake theme. I do not take credit for that. There was a cupcake theme. Yeah. And it was just really beautiful to watch everyone coming together in support of someone else's idea that maybe didn't necessarily inspire them, but it just, it got their juices flowing. So yeah, it was a really fun exercise. It is fun to have those conversations. They spark all sorts of ideas for people because just hearing someone talk about anything, our brains are wired to come up with like, oh, this, this, and this could happen too. Right. Yeah. We are all storytellers. Yes. It's it's silenced within us, but we are by nature. Yeah, it is fascinating, the, the research on story and how our brains are really wired for it and that we're we're so drawn to story. Mm-hmm. And if we could get a little bit better at figuring out uh, how to use that well in our daily lives, I think it could be really empowering for all of us, as you're doing. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so any other thoughts that you would share with people for creativity? Any other thoughts? I think just my, my main premises are being open to whatever thoughts come into your head and, and chewing on them a little bit and not judging yourself and finding your outlet. Maybe it is dance. Maybe it's expressive movement, you know, putting on the, the music and just letting yourself move or the doodling or writing or poetry. We haven't even talked about poetry. We you haven't. Know? Do you do poetry too? Uh, I, I, don't write. Po- well, I, actually, I lie. I write poetry about my dog's teeth. Because she, she about your dog's teeth. Yeah, because she has an underbite that brings out the creativity in me. <laughs> the last poem was uh, an ode to Olive's mouth. M O U F. Uh, I think it goes like this: I would like you to meet these four little teeth, two in the front and four underneath. That's it. <laughs> That's the poem because she's got two like it's very Ogden Nash. Yes, and uh, E. E. Cummings, no capitalization. (laughs) Oh, I also wrote I also wrote one about finding uh, your dog pooping when you don't have a poop bag, called Canine Sushi, and it was uh, dear because no, I used chopsticks. Oh gosh, what was this one? This one was funny. Uh, I don't remember. I'm gonna have. I'm so bummed. But it basically was about. Can you email it to us and we'll put it in the show notes? I will. I definitely Canine will. sushi might just have to be. <laughs> I'm not sure that our lives can go on until we. <laughs> well, spoiler alert. We've all been there, right? Your dog poops and you don't have a poop bag. So what do you do? You use whatever you can find. So the sushi part was I used two sticks, like chopsticks, to get the poop to the garbage can. That's canine sushi. <laughs> but I will find it and send it to you. <laughs> So yeah, poetry doesn't have to rhyme, doesn't have to be, you know, 545 or 575 or whatever. What is, what is that? Haiku. But yeah, that's another way to just get thoughts out of head and out into the world. <laughs> that is awesome. So if people wanted to learn more about you and the work you do, where could they do that? Um, you want to watch the dog train right now? <laughs> Hi. <laughs> What's this? So right right now we're having a bully stick issue and that's the, I'm going to bark. So you let go of the bully stick and I'll steal it when you go bark. That's a good plan. It usually works. Hi cutie. Oh, okay. So people can find more, uh, more out about me on victoriashade.com. My books are available everywhere. So this is life on the leash. It's um, a novel and it's fun. And I've got 
bonding with your dog. This again, Colleen and I can see each other. This is the, I don't have the, the English version. You do not have the English version there. No, this is the <laughs> version with the world's strangest picture worth seeing. And then I have secrets of a dog trainer as well. And then um, people can find me at Twitter at Victoria shade Instagram for the moment is at life on the leash, but that's about to change. So follow me while you can. And what else is there? Oh, um, Facebook is at Victoria shade author. Lots of dog pictures, lots of dog pictures as they should be. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what we need. Well, it's been so fun talking to you today about creativity. I have really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. It's (laughs) always great to catch up with you. Unleashed at Work and Home is all about finding practical, sustainable ways to apply positive psychology to improve the lives of veterinarians, veterinary nurses, and other animal care professionals. Protect yourself from burnout and compassion fatigue by listening to the podcast, participating in a workshop, or scheduling private confidential coaching with me. Details about all of the programs can be found at ColleenPilar.com. (laughs) 